If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to turn to Ruth's, Ruth, uh, the book of Ruth chapter 2. And um, if this is your first time with us, let me just say welcome. We are just starting last Sunday. We jumped into this new series called When You Can't See God. When You Can't See God. And as a part of this series, we're looking at those places in life where for whatever reason, we find ourselves in a crisis of faith. Ever walk through one of those? I think we all get at least one, Right? Maybe you've heard it said, an untested faith has shallowed roots. You ever heard that? An untested faith has shallow roots. But if that's true, then the question I want to know is, how do we get through those tests in life? You know, the story of God's people throughout the Bible, it talks about these seasons where following God means wrestling in faith. And that crisis or that adversity, it can feel as though God is distant from us. Maybe it's hard for us to understand what he's doing or to feel his presence. And maybe when you feel like you can't see God, you ask the question with me of what do we do? So last week we jumped into this story of this family facing that kind of a scenario. They had left everything they knew because of a famine in their land. Their names were Naomi and Elimelech. And this husband and wife duo and their two sons, they leave the promised land of Judah to this foreign land called Moab for a new start. But remember, the story goes, just as they arrived there and thought everything was going well, Elimelech dies. Now Naomi and her sons are forced to carry on, and you would think that that was the bottom of the barrel for this family. But 10 years later, the two boys, after just marrying these Moabite wives, they die too. So last week, we left, with, left off with all the remnants of that. Three grieving widows, all asking the same questions of what are we supposed to do now? Naomi had heard this rumor that the Lord had visited her people back home. So she's given this news and she hears about an abundant harvest. So she tells her daughters-in-law, I'm going back. Don't follow me. She tells them, live your life. So we learned last week, one stayed behind. The other one refused to let go. She clung to her and that's where we met Ruth. Ruth was this faithful woman who was by her mother-in-law's side the entire time. And as Naomi, we learned last week, as Naomi wrestled with the aftermath of this crisis in her life, she watches her pagan daughter-in-law come to faith in God. And right there, that's where everything begins to blossom and change. We left with this famous quote last week where Ruth tells her mom, wherever you go, I'm going. Wherever you stay, I'm staying. Your people will be my people. Your God is now my God. So last week we learned 2022, the, the word we want to use, the word that we came up with was return. Return. What do you see? What do you do when you can't see God? You return to God's promises again. What do you do when you can't understand what he's doing in your life or feel his presence? You return back to worship and return in praise. So this morning, now with that word in mind, we're going to turn to the next scene of this book. We're going to read through chapter 2. And we're going to find Naomi and Ruth are back in Bethlehem. They've made it, long journey. And the harvest has begun. Momentum is moving in their direction. The only problem is, Ruth is a foreigner now trying to find grain in an unknown land. And if last week our word was return, this week I want us to think about a new word, and that word is refuge. Say it with me. Refuge. So let's read this, Ruth 2, 1 through 23. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. She said to her, go my daughter. 
So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she's continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread, dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her green even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles from her and leave it for her to glean. Do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what, was, what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of, of barley. She took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. Her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law whom she had worked and said, this man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, this man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she clept close to the young woman of Boaz, gleaning until the end of barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. So imagine with me 25,000 people crammed into a football stadium. They're crammed into the football stadium not to watch the game, but to make their last attempt at survival. Try to picture 25,000 refugees running from disaster. That's half the population of Bozeman. You remember Hurricane Katrina was one of the deadliest storms ever to make landfall in America. That was 17 years ago. Can you believe that? 
In my time in the South, I led numerous mission trips over to that city. And I tell you, I had never seen such a collective tragedy in my life. Just rows after rows after rows of abandoned houses washed out. It's not until you're standing in someone's attic, looking up where they had hatched their way onto the roof to get away from the floodwaters that you realize how emotional that storm really was. On my first day, we, we drove by the Superdome, uh, the first time I was in there, and it was still half destroyed. And as we got closer, you could see everything around that place had been underwater. Look at this pic. You know, everyone that I had met there had this story. They would talk about these steel beams and sheet metal hanging off that roof, waving in the winds. They'd talk about having to go for, for days without water or food. The city had lost all power. It was in every sense of the word a humanitarian crisis. But as wrecked as that dome had been, it was the only safe place left. You know, where you seek your refuge, where you seek your shelter can mean life or death in a storm. And I give us that picture because I want us to think about that kind of refuge this morning. You know, at this point in the story, uh, Ruth's, Ruth's story really has two different viewpoints. Ruth and Naomi, they, they sort of take two different paths in the midst of their humanitarian crisis. At this point, from Naomi's view, there's, there's little hope left. Did you catch that? You know, she no longer sees God as her shelter. She sees him as bitter and harsh. Last week, we learned Naomi changed her name. She said, call me Mara, means bitterness. She said, I left this town full. I came back empty. There's nothing left. And it's true. She lost all three men in her life. All these circumstances began to cloud her vision too. She, she could no longer see God's faithfulness anymore because all she had planned for was gone. The name Naomi means pleasant or lovely. She said, no, don't call me that. Call me anything but that. Naomi was despondent. She was full of cynicism, indignation. But then we turn to Ruth, right? And Ruth is now this outsider. She's no longer in her homeland. And unlike her mother-in-law who sees life as empty, Ruth for the first time has this sense of hope. She just put her faith in the Lord. And even though all the odds are stacked against her, she's ready to press on. And you have to realize just how precarious this situation is, right? There are three things that are standing in this way, roadblocks between Ruth and a successful harvest. The first one is this, Ruth's a foreigner. She's a Moabite, right? That puts her at the bottom of the social rank and file. She doesn't know the people. She doesn't understand the customs. She's a nobody. How do you find food in a situation like that? Second, we learn Ruth is, is widowed. She's a single woman. And in that day, that, that would be like walking into an immediate, dangerous, precarious situation. For a single foreign woman to go out in the fields with these young, hot-blooded men gleaning the harvest... There's no telling what would happen to you. Remember, it was the days of the judges when everyone did what they thought was right in their own eyes. And third, she's dirt poor. Not only is Ruth a nobody, but by her mother-in-law's own words, we have nothing. She's not even of servant status. She's quite literally a beggar on the street. But instead of jumping to conclusions about who God is based on all of her circumstances, Ruth seems to bring this steadfast faith. And with that faith, we find Ruth quite literally sitting under the wings, taking refuge in the Lord as he leads her on. You know, Ruth probably didn't even know it, but as she's walking through these fields as a believer among believers, she's now living under the protection 
and provision of God's word. We learned this morning she asked for permission to glean the leftovers in this, what she thought was a random field. And look at what the law says about this moment. Look in Deuteronomy 24, 19. Deuteronomy 24, 19 says this. This was the rules for the Israelite at harvest. When you reap in your field and you forget a sheaf, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the alien, the fatherless, the widow, and then the Lord your God will bless you in the work of your hands. God's so serious about it, he said it twice. Look at this in Leviticus 19, verse 9. When you reap the harvest, you shall not reap your field up to its edges. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You know, if there's ever a, a word that was written for Ruth's predicament, that's it. Give your leftovers to the widow. Save them for the foreigner and the poor among you. All the while, Ruth's doing her thing over here, and she has no idea that God's doing his thing in her midst. So this landowner named Boaz, he now comes on scene. He's going to be pivotal to the story. He comes to the field to check on the harvest happenings. And from the get-go, we, we learn that of all the fields Ruth could have stumbled into, she just happens to walk into the one that's owned by a close relative. And if there's one thing, if there's one thing we can know to be true about the Lord, it's that by God's design, time and time again, he uses his people living under his word to do mighty things. Time and time again in scriptures, time and time again in our lives, we watch as God uses his people living under his word to do his works. Ruth and Naomi, they're desperate, right? So God sends this God-fearing man, and his God-fearing people, his God-fearing field to bring this woman blessing. How do we know this? Ruth 2.4, the first thing Boaz says to his people, the Lord be with you. And they answered back, and also with you. So Boaz sees this foreign woman out in the fields and he wants to know, who is she? You know, one of these harvesters is not like the rest. I have never met this woman before. So the servant tells Boaz the story. He said, that's the woman that came back with Naomi. Remember her? She's the one who had converted to our faith. Her name's Ruth. She, she begged to glean among the sheaves and she's been working all day ever since. And as we watch this story now begin to take shape, despite all the odds that are against Ruth, we now find God giving three things to this woman, even when she can't see it. And under God's wing, under the protection of his refuge, we're gonna learn these three words, protection, promise, and provision. Protection, promise, and provision. So let's look at this first one of protection. You know, right out the gate in verse eight, Boaz realizes who this woman is. So he goes to her and look at the first thing he says, first thing he sets up, he says, listen, do not glean in another field. Keep close to the other women in my field. I've already told the men to leave you be. You're safe here. He gives her a hedge of protection. And this isn't the first time that we see God's people the faithful being brought to, to bring a witness of care and compassion on behalf of the Lord. You know, I feel like this is the calling of the church, right? We, we say at Spring Hill all the time, we wanna be a church to call home. And what we're really saying is we understand that life is hard. We understand that trials are lonely and we want others to experience God's refuge here. You don't have to be in ministry long to realize that everyone has a crisis. It's only a matter of time before we discover what it is. 
And we live in this society that, that I feel like somehow promises this peace and security and all kinds of things. So we begin to take our shelter in careers. We begin to seek refuge in, in power. We, we take shelter in our prosperity. We, we get under the wings of our politics. But as a church, we're called to something different than that, right? We're, we're called to seek our, our, our hope and rise above that scene. You know, if we're looking for the refuge and the things of this life, we're all in for a big letdown. I've seen it time and time again, your career and the pride that comes with it. What do you do when you retire? All power we, we know in this lifetime eventually fades. No one clings to it forever. Money comes and goes. Politics are ripe with corruption. Ruth is a woman, though, who goes first and foremost after the promises of God. Which really brings me to my second point, and that is that under God's refuge, we find that Ruth can now rest in his promise. If you have your Bibles, or we'll have it up on the screens again, look at this in verse 10. Ruth can't believe Boaz's hospitality. She says, where in the world have I found such favor and love from you? I'm a foreigner. She's beside herself. Verse 11, Boaz tells her, I know everything. I know all that you've done for your mother-in-law. And a reward's coming, not just because of what you've done, but because of your faith. And then we get to the hinge point of our passage, which is verse 12. The Lord repay you for what you've done, he said. And a full reward will be given to you under whose wings you have come to take refuge. It's under the refuge of the Lord that Ruth now experiences his covenant blessings. It's under the refuge of God that she now finds this protection and promise. It's in the community of faith with all parties submitting to God's rule that she finds blessing and peace. Every summer, I'm, growing up, my family would travel to Iowa to, to see my grandparents. And as part of the Midwest, Iowa never let me down with a, a good rainstorm. You ever been in the Midwest and seen one of those things rolling in? One day we were on our way into the YMCA with my cousins and this black cloud was just chasing us the whole way in. And in my head, it looked pretty cool, right? I jumped out and the winds were starting to whip and I was leaning into the wind, just loving it up. My dad was screaming at us to get in the building. I had no idea what was coming. Soon it started hailing. We all went running into this hallway, into the basement of this place. And I still remember, like it was yesterday, this, this white sign with red letters with a big tornado on it said two words, you know what they were? Tornado shelter, tornado shelter. And sure enough, that afternoon, a tornado went right over us. But at my young age, um, I have to say, when I look back on that moment, I didn't have any fear. There was not a part of me that was fearful. You wanna know why? Because I trusted in what that sign told me. You're under the protection of a tornado shelter. See, Boaz says this, this was the, the rule of Ruth's life. He says, a full reward has been given to you under whose wings you have come to take what? Refuge. When we seek God and his refuge, we find his protection. We find this promise that goes with us that he'll never leave us. And that brings me to this last point we find in this chapter. And that is when you dwell in the shelter of the most high, you dwell under a God who provides provision. You know, it's in this field, Ruth isn't just granted access to the leftovers. God gives this woman an abundance. By the time we get to verse 14, Ruth is having dinner with the landowner, right, with Boaz. And not only did she eat her fill, eat until she was satisfied, we're told there was food left on the table. It reminds me of another story just to help us understand God's character and how he moves with the miracle of the loaves and the fish. 
You know, as all these followers of Christ are out in this same kind of humanitarian crisis, too many people, not enough food, with just five loaves and two fish, everyone eats until they're satisfied with leftovers to go around. We worship this God who even in crisis, even in the midst of famine, is still our provider. So Ruth heads back out in the field, and in verse 16, Boaz tells his men, don't just leave the remnants, pull out some of the good stuff and throw those on the ground too. That evening, Ruth had more barley than she could carry home. It was called an ephah. It's 22 liters worth of grain. Think about that. So Ruth comes home. She tells Naomi about her day. She said, Ma, I hit bank. And Naomi's like, how'd you pull this off? You're a foreigner. Wait, wait, time out. Who did you meet? She said, well, I met this man named Boaz. And right there, you watch Naomi go from bitterness to singing praise to God. She said, Ruth, that's our relative. May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. But it's so much more than a, a, just a relative. Naomi tells Ruth, he's not, he's not just related to me. He's our kinsman redeemer. Let me explain what that is. According to scripture, a kinsman redeemer was the male of the family who had the responsibility to re redeem a relative who's in danger or need. This week, one of my brothers uh, broke his ankle, shattered it. I mean, like it snapped in two. You're gonna have like six screws put in there with some plates. It's gonna have a good time. So what happened? My other brother down the street immediately was all over it, right? Bringing meals, helping with Christmas lights, taking all the, the decorations down. This was Boaz. He was the family's kinsman redeemer. He was the one who was designated to step in if there was ever a need, and now he sees one. All the while, Ruth thought she was going into a random field looking for grain, and God was doing his thing. By the end of the story, we're going to discover how this picture of Boaz actually ultimately points us to our own kinsman redeemer in Jesus Christ. And the point of this chapter teaches us that when we put our faith in the Lord, we find this unmistakable refuge in the storms of life. Not only for our temporary needs, but for eternity. But here's the world we live in. Just last night, I was walking through a bookstore in town. You might recognize it. I won't name it. And look at what I saw. Maybe this will help, the sign says. Maybe this will help. And this is the picture. Are you stuck? How about palm reading? How about chakras or mindfulness? Meditation, astrology, maybe this will help you. You know, as I said earlier, we all want refuge, right? But where you choose to run will either lead to God's rest and redemption or it'll leave you with the world's answers that leave us with nothing. You know, of all the stories of Katrina that I've come across over the years, there's one story that stuck out in my mind. It was of a man who was trying to escape his home in the middle of this, this storm. He had waited too long. The, the hurricane was on him. And he knew if he stayed, he would be dead. So he jumped in his car and stepped on it, hoping to get out. But it wasn't just but a mile down the street that the wind and the waves had made it impossible. He couldn't even see the road anymore. The floods had come up over the roads. About the time he began to panic and, and realize it was over, he saw this blurry light and someone was standing just in the distance. He could make it out. And as he got closer and closer, he saw these words on this sign that said, stop here. It was his neighbor who had spray painted a, 
a message to him. He said that sign saved his life. He got out of the car. His neighbor helped him into his three-story home, whereby by God's miracle, they were safe again. Who in your life is searching? Who do you know needs to understand the refuge of our God and why in the world haven't you told him? I mean, who do we know who has been trying far too long to, to make it on their own, trying to, to find protection and provision and promise in the ways of this world? Who is conjuring up a feeling inside of them of security and things that we know they won't last? And how can we point them again to the shelter that is our God? You can find that word refuge all the way through the scriptures. Psalm 91.2. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. My encouragement this week as, as we've returned back to worship and we leave this place is that we would know that we leave in the refuge of God, that we go under his protection, his promises, and his provision, and that others need to know it too. Pray with me as we ask God to lead us. God, you are our strength. Lord, you are the stronghold of our lives. You, you've been the defense of the helpless. Lord, you've been the refuge in the storm. We sing songs about you as a, a strong tower, a mighty fortress is our God. And so God, we call on you this morning. Lord, would you help us to understand what it truly means to walk in the shelter of your wing? God, would you help us to be a witness in a world that is seeking refuge from their storms, Lord, that we might point them to you to the safe place where they can find your love and your compassion and care again. God, help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.